Welcome to this episode recap episode for The Last Refuge. I'm your friendly neighborhood dungeon master, DM Jazzy Hands, and in this episode, we'll be recapping episodes one through five of our show, the very beginning of our story. If you're new to The Last Refuge, thanks for giving us a try, and hopefully these episode recap episodes will be a quicker way for you to get caught up on the story. If you're a longtime listener, we hope you enjoy these little trips down memory lane. In either case, more episode recap episodes, as well as the full versions of all of our episodes... Man, I say episodes a lot in this intro. Anyway, all of those can be found on our website, www.dndlastrefuge.com, or on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else podcasts are found. And this probably goes without saying, but just in case... If you haven't listened to the episodes we're about to recap, there are definitely spoilers. But enough housekeeping. We've got a lot to catch you up on in these five episodes, so let's get started. We begin our recap at the very beginning. A very good place to start. With the first thing the players heard when we began the campaign. Your perception is completely overloaded. Every single one of your senses is so intensely stimulated that you can't tell if you're experiencing an incredibly loud noise, a blindingly bright explosion, or the most intense physical pain imaginable. Whatever it is, it isn't pleasant. And then, as if things weren't bad enough, something goes wrong. You're not sure how you know, and you're not really sure what's supposed to happen, you just know it isn't this. The sensations intensify, and how can they possibly intensify? And then it's as if your entire being, your body, your mind, your soul, all of you, hits a brick wall at a million miles an hour. You can feel yourself rebound off of some sort of barrier, and then you know no more. Which is admittedly an improvement. With the players, and probably the audience, thoroughly confused, our story was off. And boy, was it off to a good start, as evidenced by the very first die roll of the campaign. Let me have everybody make constitution saving throws for me, please. (laughs) Starting this game out right with a crit fail. (laughs) All right, Bizdira. Good, so that's not great. (laughs) Eventually, though, the adventurers manage to shake off their unconsciousness and take in their surroundings. A forest in a strange place that none of them recognized... They may have had no idea where they were or why they were there, but Flick, the tiefling cleric, awoke with a memory of a voice. Whatever happens, you must consecrate the temple. Consecrate the temple. With very little else to go on, the party decided to investigate the only structure in sight, a building at the center of the clearing where they awoke. Perhaps this was the temple mentioned in Flick's memory? The building itself is a pretty small, unassuming, square, stone edifice. And as you sort of glance at it, you can see that it was there are carvings and bas-reliefs covering much of it. You can see that on the side that's facing the four of you, there is a door there that is carved, uh, again, with some sort of image on it. In the very center of the door is a sort of symbol. It's a large circle surrounded by four smaller circles, one at the top, one at the bottom, and one to the left and the right. And these smaller circles are connected by straight lines that cross in the very center of the larger circle. So you move around to that wall, and as you're sort of clearing things, you see that the the figures and the carvings continue. But at the center of the wall, there's sort of a an indentation in the center 
of that wall. And it's it's shaped like a four-sided, a four-pointed star, like a, a square, but with the sides concave in. They found two more of these indentations on the remaining two sides of the building, and Briathos, one of the Azimars and a rogue, decided she should sketch the shape so that they could all remember it later. On Bria's sheet where she's kind of drawing this area, um, Mm -hmm. she's going to draw a very elaborate drawing of this very simple four-pointed star and show it off to everyone. (laughs) Uh, Give me a dexterity cartography. Okay. It's a six. <laughs> it's like mostly the same shape. <laughs> but she just, what, the, the, problem, the problem is that like she's not bad at drawing. She just got like overexcited about like curly cueing it up and making it fancy and elaborate. And it just sort of like lost. She lost the thread somewhere. Absolutely. That is 100% what happened. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm waiting for your responses, please. <laughs> Flick nods his head and smiles a little bit. Obviously fake. Yeah. I was just going to say, give me a deception roll, but if it's obviously fake, that's fine. Yeah. That's, he says, that looks great. Oh. And Kit just kind of like gives her a smile grimace, kind of, and says, I'm going to go check out what Bizdira, what's happening on that side, and like awkwardly shuffles away. Flick will quickly follow her. Bria, <laughs> Bria like sits in the corner and is like, stupid, stupid, stupid. Oh, <laughs> Oh, so and then dark. and then can hear her saying that and immediately feels terrible and like goes over to her and like pats her on the shoulder and says no 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 it's it's really great I just we just need to figure out what's happening oh so, sweet pea yeah. I'm gonna need you to make me a deception roll for that one this is also oh, a podcast no. so no one can see me I am like legit about to cry <laughs> <laughs> um no. Briathos give me an insight check oh did you just crit fail. Damn, shit got dark quick. Oh well. The party would have continued their attempts to investigate the building and get inside, but Flick spotted something. And as you're sort of listening and looking out that way, you see a group of creatures step forth. There are eight of them. Four of them are large, pig-faced creatures that you recognize as orcs. Love those. And then right next to them, you see these strange creatures come out. One of them has sort of the body and head of a black snake, uh, but the arms and legs of a humanoid creature, it walks upright. What? Behind the black snake creature are three other creatures that all have some qualities of a snake. Great. So my personal nightmare. (laughs) Yours and mine both. And they are pretty determinedly coming towards the clearing, and they all have various weapons drawn, and we're all going to roll initiative. Seriously, DM Jazzy Hands, their first combat is eight versus four, and they're all first level characters. Why, yes. But obviously they aren't going to try to fight them. Anyone can see that they're outnumbered and overpowered, right? Well, I'm going to run up and attack this closest one. (sighs) And attack they did. It, well, it didn't go well. The first to fall was Bizdira, our Azimar monk. Can I just, like, close my eyes and fall backwards? (laughs) Sure. splat. Then Kit, our Azimar druid. All right, bye, Uh, guys. Then Briathos. And as I am going down, I'm going to give Flick a dirty look. And finally Flick. 
15 points. Okay, I'm not conscious, okay? Like, geez. <laughs> Things didn't look too good for our adventures. But then, just as all seemed lost, the party awoke. They weren't dead, though none of them knew why their foes hadn't just slain them outright. They were, however, tied together on the banks of a river with all of their equipment several feet downstream. Before they could figure out how to get free, a strange creature, sort of like a small dragon, for those of you familiar with D&D monsters, it was a kobold, approached them and offered his assistance. Um, do you need help? I love this thing already. Flick, is this a cousin of yours? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Then Flick, in turn, raises an eyebrow. Being the only one who spoke Draconic, the strange creature's native tongue, Briathos took the lead on communicating with him. Of course, in typical Bria fashion, it wasn't long before she stuck her foot in her mouth. In in Draconic, he says to you, there's no need to patronize me. <laughs> oh, I wasn't. I meant to do my stupid, stupid oh, stuff. <laughs> and Kit goes over and, and rubs, <laughs> rubs Bria's shoulder. Oh, Despite Bria's lack of diplomatic skills, the adventurers began to make friends with the kobold, whose name, they discovered, was Arix. They also got a valuable piece of information from him. The name of the land they'd found themselves in. This is the last refuge. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Yes, the last refuge. But knowing the name, while important, still left many questions unanswered. Seeing that the group didn't seem to have anywhere particularly pressing to be, and noticing that they all had weapons that they seemed at least marginally proficient with, Arix offered them a deal. If the party would fetch some poison from the lair of a creature called a Moss Lurker, Arix would speak to his tribe leader on their behalf and try to gain them a place to shelter and figure out their next move. He says, um, I know I know it's a lot to ask and I don't know you, but but I promise that I'll make sure that you're safe with the Shimmerscale clan if, if you want to come back with me once you've found them. Shimmer scale. In case the party needed any additional encouragement, Flick received a message from beyond this world. The kobolds hold one of the keys. Gather the keys, my children. The voice then said that the effort to communicate across worlds was too great, and it wouldn't be able to do so again until the party's mission was complete. Armed with some direction for the first time since they awoke, the party agreed to help Arix on his quest. As the adventurers journeyed to Arix's shelter for the night before continuing on their way towards the Moss Lurker's lair, we began to learn a bit more about the characters. Like, apparently, they all want to be music stars. While uh, Flick and Kit are out doing things, can I just be, like, leaning back on something, just, like, calmly strumming my banjo? <laughs> you have a banjo? A banjo? Of course I have a banjo. <laughs> Does he have, are there um, any type of utensils, like spoons or anything around that I could use? I would need two. Oh my god, are you going to play the spoons with her band? (laughs) Are you proficient in the spoon? We're going to have a little jam love everything about this. So Bria's playing the spoons to go along with the banjo. All right, are you proficient in spoons? I am actually, yes. You're you're lying. (laughs) I'm going to make you both roll for it. I got oh, an ele- Bria is 11 for her spoons performance. Okay. I mean, it's I rolled an terrible. 8. You get plus 2 because you're proficient in it. Right. So that's that's a 10. So, like, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, Flick hears this, quote, music <laughs> coming from uh, those two. Yikes. And he goes outside and picks up a, a blade of grass. Yes! And you know when you're a little kid <laughs> and you can, like, you know, you, like, put it in between your thumbs. So, um, here we go. <laughs> Please, please crit, please crit. Um, I crit fail. Oh, so, no. 
So he puts it between, he puts the, the blade of grass between his thumbs and he brings it up to his mouth and he inhales so sharply that the blade of grass gets sucked into his throat and he starts choking. And coughing. He just okay. So the I assume he like spits up this one pe- blade he of does. grass. So he's like, he does. It's and not- he like spits it up. He gets up spitting. He's like, Ugh. and he like looks over. He finally like, after like I I would assume like five minutes of this like episode. <laughs> hack, oh, for sure. He's, for he's sure. like taken over, and then he just like looks over. He like wipes like spit from his mouth. <laughs> And he just, like, loads over and puts his hood up and walks away. <laughs> I wish I could say that was the last time that they attempted music together, but I get ahead of myself. They also decided that they were very interested in their brand new friend's love life when Oryx mentioned another kobold named Varn who might be more than just a friend. You want him to be well, or if he that's is? not the cutest and then thing. He, and, God, you all are the worst. This poor guy, you just met him. I love him. I'm not him. saying anything. I'm just listening as a player. <laughs> oh, Bria. Ever tactful. The next day, the group set out to track down the moss lurker and its poison. Knowing that moss lurkers were notorious for guarding their lairs with traps, the group discussed their marching order through the forest. Uh, is gonna turn to Bria and be like, you're good with traps, right? Yes, I am. I'll watch your nine. Yo, or, what? Your nine, your six. What? what the hell? I My brain is fried today. Uh, <laughs> I'll watch your six. I'll watch your six yeah. is what she tried to say. <gasps> I, meaning I'll watch your back. But mind I'm your gonna nine. watch your left side. I'm gonna watch your left side. Clearly this is gonna go well. They continued on. At one point, there was a discussion about who was holding whose hand while they walked or something, and you guessed it, Bria, well... It was awkward. (laughs) That's Bria. (laughs) Cool. Good, Good story. Eventually, despite the awkwardness, the party made it to the moss lurker's lair and discovered a row of boulders lined up above the entrance. Bria's mind immediately went to trap. Though whether that's because she's a good rogue or just paranoid, or both, is up to you. Yeah, there's no way that Bria is going to walk into that cave now that she's decided that those boulders are going to fall on her head. Okay, DM. (laughs) Don't um, tell me what to think. Okay, you're right. Bria, what do you think? There's no way that I am going (laughs) to... To avoid said boulders, the party decided to loop around and come at the lair from behind. And the boulders promptly were shoved down the hill, crushing Bria beneath one of them. Figures. Flick tossed some healing her way, though, and the adventurers got their first glimpse of the moss lurker himself. You see this funny, tiny little creature with green hair and a great big long green beard. Mm -hmm. And he's got little red mushrooms growing out of the top of his head. He's got these long red, like, claws on the ends of his hands. And on his back is this enormous, (laughs) great, like, maul that's as tall as he is. And he, like, is clearly tottering a little bit because it's, like, pulling him backwards. What was one moss lurker against our four capable adventurers, though? The party managed to subdue the moss lurker through a combination of martial prowess and, well, they called it intimidation. Give me an intimidation check. And okay. are you proficient in intimidation? No. Okay, so go ahead and add your proficiency to this since you're using magic to, to okay. help it out. 21. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anything else on your turn? Uh, and can I say, please stop rolling rocks on us. <laughs> make you go back and re-roll that intimidation with disadvantage why don't no, do I'm it i'm not i'm not um okay amazing 
Okay, so it's his turn now, and he just drops to his knees and cries out, Please, please do not hurt Zagara! 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 Oh, Zagara. Cute little name. Whatever it was, it clearly worked. They collected the poison Arix had requested and were about to head on their way when Briathos and Kit found something hidden inside Zagara's lair. And you, br- you two brush the dirt away. Um, you've destroyed poor Zagara's bed, but whatever. <laughs> Underneath there, uh, the, it was used for the like grassy template for this pillow, is a very ornate breastplate. Mm. Armor breastplate. Mm. And it is ornately crafted and across sort of the collar of it is are some glyphs so none of you recognize this language do they look similar to anything else or that's a really good question maybe like a yes it is the same uh it is a similar script to the dwarvish script Ooh, how mysterious so they scooped up the fancy breastplate and returned to oryx who was overjoyed at their success as promised, he offered to bring them back to his tribe's home, the Shimmerscale Tunnels, to shelter and supply them. So you're going to lead us to more of your kind? He says, oh yes, yes, if, if you would like, I, I, would, I would happily bring you back to the, to the tunnels. I, and he sort of pauses and thinks for a minute, because this is clearly the first time he had not thought this through when he made this offer sooner. And he goes, I will have to get permission, of course, but I don't think that Kashak would have any problem considering how helpful you have been. Will Varen Please be stress there? to him how helpful we can be. <laughs> Somebody had a question. I asked if Varen would be there. And he's, he says, well, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and off they went. Along the way, the three Azamar ladies had much to discuss, but since they discussed it mostly in Celestial, which poor Flicka didn't speak, he decided to go find out more about Oryx and his people. Walk, uh, you know, kind of like walk up to him and kind of pat him on the back and say, so, Larynx, uh, how's, uh... Larynx? Yeah, I did it on purpose. Oh, Wasn't it funny? It was hilarious. <laughs> How long have you been planning? You know what? Don't tell me. I'll just be sad. <laughs> uh, do you have... I mean, is he the leader of all of you or is there sort of sort of government or... <laughs> he says, <laughs> is it a bicameral three-party system? <laughs> <laughs> Um, he says, uh, no, no, Kashak is, is the leader, uh, for all, all Shimmer Scale Cobalts. Oh, great. How many of there are you? He says, oh, uh, we haven't done a census in some time. Jesus, son. (laughs) 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 Having conversation. Yeah. Oh, Flick. Meanwhile, the ladies were beginning to learn more about each other. I mean, obviously we're sisters. I mean, that's... <laughs> this deer Absolutely not. clearly we're related. Okay, you know what? I think we're going to leave it there this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me from episode five. That's a good idea. That's where we're going to leave it for this episode recap episode. Thanks so much for listening to our recap of episodes one through five of The Last Refuge. If you enjoyed your listening experience, we hope you'll continue listening to our episode recap episodes and maybe even go back and listen to the full episodes themselves. You can find all of those on our website, www.dndlastrefuge.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Also, once you've gotten a taste for what we do, it would be awesome, fantastic, extraordinary, super duper, and wonderful if you could leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you download your podcasts from. 
The more five-star ratings and reviews we get, the better our placement on those sites, and the better our placement, the more people will get to listen. We always read all of the five-star reviews that we get on our regular episodes, so leave us one and get a shout-out on an upcoming episode. If you want to get in touch with the Last Refuge team, you can reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram at at DND Last Refuge. That's at D, the letter N, D, Last Refuge. You can also email us at dndlastrefuge at gmail.com. As I mentioned, we do have a website as well. Check it out so you can see some character and player bios and other cool stuff. That address is www.dndlastrefuge.com. I want to thank the fantastic cast of The Last Refuge, Bizdira, Kit, Bria, and Flick, and Robert Hupf, my story consultant for this campaign. Most of all, though, I want to thank all of you for listening. I'm your friendly neighborhood dungeon master, DM Jazzy Hands. Happy gaming, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>